This is Patriots Playbook. The legend, Russell Baxter, at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to goof on my, my good friend here, all right? Russell has sometimes a tendency to rely on crutches. Have you noticed his penchant when he's in the middle of an explanation for saying, okay? They should let the players decide, okay? Yeah, yeah. Okay, throw out these kinds of numbers, okay? Okay, okay. Yes. Okay? We're going to have to invent a Russell Baxter drinking game. You will be ear-faced. <laughs> We'll get loaded. (laughs) Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we probably will. I've forgotten all about that. That's that's why when we're only here for, you know, once a month at this time of year, forget that we all the good stuff happens, you know. Always happened last month. Welcome into the, um, what month is this? March edition of Patriots Playbook here on Patriots.com Radio. I'm John Rook. It is our uh, our monthly off-season edition. We go once a month with the playbook until we roll back around again with the regular season uh, coming up in uh, September. But it's going to be here a lot sooner than you possibly can can imagine. It's, you know, and already things are kind of ramping up a little bit. We had the... um, We had the the owners' meetings this week, and, um, uh, you know... I'm not sure. I mean, I have to admit, I, I tuned in and tried to pay attention a little bit to what was going on because, first of and foremost, I'm interested in rule changes. I want to know what what what's going to happen, what's going to transpire, what's what are they going to actually change some things for the better, as opposed to nonsense, which is really kind of what we've seen, I think, uh, of late. And we just have to get to more. We have to get back to more practical way of thinking. We have to be real. So uh, we'll talk about the owners' meetings and a couple of the major stories with Evan Lazar coming up in just a couple of moments. Uh, Russell Baxter will join us in hour number two of the show. So will Zach Cox, who covers the Patriots for Nesson.com. So it's a sort of a regular routine Wednesday, if you will, here on the program. I know normally we... Um, uh, we go at, n- at noon, noon o'clock, uh, on the in the off-season show, but we pushed it back to the regular time of 2 p.m. today because um, you know, college basketball won't go away for me. So um, uh, I had some duties to take care of earlier today, so we're in the more familiar time at 2. But for April, May, June, July, likely August, we'll push it back to the noon start time. Uh, when's the next one? August, uh, excuse me, April 26, right? So, and the thing about it is, I'm, I'm, I haven't even done this one yet. We're already talking about the next one. But it's dra- It's the day before the draft. And we've done this the last couple of years. And so what we've decided we think we're going to try to do for this year is have a sort of a pre-draft draft show in the playbook and bring in a couple of the, of the real draft nicks, see if we can't you know, combine some of the talents of both Evan and, and uh, Alex Barth. And we're going to go through everybody we think that the Patriots should take, everybody that we think the Patriots will take, and we're going to let you get involved. And we're going to come up with a way, again, because we've done this in the past now, the winner of the um, – uh, the, the Patriots Playbook uh, Fantasy Football League co-hosted the show last month, okay? Uh, I think what we need to do is if somebody pegs the first pick right for the Patriots, we need to offer them another opportunity to come be on the show, right? I mean, you know, if, if, if why not? This could be the start of something big. It might also be a way for me to back out gracefully and let somebody else take it over. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll hold on to it as long as you feel like I can, you know, still hold on to it. But, I, you know, nevertheless, why not? Let's throw it out there. I would love to have you in studio if you're close by. And even if you're in, where was he? He was in Switzerland. 
He's from Greece, but he's Switzerland, right? Okay, that's what I was thinking. So, I mean, it, which is amazing to me that we right? pardon. Wasn't it Luxembourg? Oh, it was Luxembourg. Yes, he was in Luxembourg. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. No, no, no. Well, whether it was Switzerland or Luxembourg, no, you're right. It's Luxembourg. Um, uh, we'd never had a co-host from Luxembourg. We didn't even had a caller from Luxembourg before, so I thought that was actually pretty cool. We'll do that. And that shows the, the power, I think, of the Patriots globally here and, and really appreciative of, of everyone who takes the time to uh, contribute to the show one way or the other. So, yeah, I think we might have to put that on the agenda for you know next, uh, next month. We'll, uh, you've got to pick the first pick. And if you get it right, and the first person to go on the show and pronounce that, whether it's email or whether it's a phone call or whether it's social media or what have you, I'll have the time clock on it. If we have multiple people get the first pick right, because something tells me we're all going to say what we think we know it is, and it ain't going to be that. It never is. I mean, I'm already thinking it's got to be offensive tackle, right? It's already got to be offensive tackle. And then I had an impassioned argument from a student yesterday in class who said, I don't know how the Patriots can think about anything else other than defensive back. They need a corner. They need a corner. Okay, well, I mean, I agree. I think they need a corner. But I think they need some other things too. I'm not sure which one they need more. But I would tell you, look, if you're really going to make a go of this with Mac Jones, and I'm going to get to that in just a second here, but if you're going to try to rub out year two, which was, let's all admit it, it was an abomination. It was terrible. It was a gross miscalculation by the Patriots coaching staff and hierarchy over the people that you had here in the fold. And I know we talked about it over the course of the last year, Ed nauseum. Hey, you know what? Bill deserves to have, you know, he deserves to be able to do things his way. He's paid his dues. He's earned it. Um, and, and, it just goes to show you even the most brilliant football minds can have bad moments. Bad years? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there was still some development going on, but I, I, it just, I cringe every time I think, wow, what a wasted year for Mac Jones. It was just a complete waste. And I can't believe that you, uh, well, yeah, I guess I can because it happened. Try not to dwell on the negative. I'm trying to move forward here. But this leads me into question number one that I have for you today. And by the way, Evan will join us here in about 10 minutes. Um, Zach Cox will join us at the top of the next hour. Russell's going to join us at his normal time in hour two. So right now it's me and you, and we're talking about the Patriots at 855-PATS-500. Toll-free number is 855-PATS-500. You can hit me up on email, webradio at patriots.com. Or find me on the Twitter machine, at JR Broadcaster. Or post on my Facebook page, John.Rook. Ready, set, go. Um, I, I've got a couple of things that I want to kind of throw out to you. And the things that I really kind of want to throw out here have to do with the major storylines that have been prevalent in the media over the course of the last week to two weeks. The first one has to do with Coach Belichick. Okay? Now, I, we, we've talked about this many, many, many times on this show before. In season, out of season, off season, whatever. Bill should, Bill will get the opportunity to finish on his own terms. Nothing's changed my way of thought on that one. No matter how bad it gets, no matter what happens, you know, I've heard both 
Robert and Jonathan Kraft say, you know, I think Coach Belichick has earned the right to call his shot. And, and, and I agree with that. You don't win six Super Bowls and, and, you know, hold on to some cachet. Okay, you do. However, three straight years without now a, a playoff win. Uh, the last couple of years, I think, of the draft have been better, but there were a couple of middling to poor years in the draft. I think we can all agree on that. So we can't ignore that. So I want to ask you, you know, a, a really a kind of a simple question, okay? Are you ready to move on from Bill Belichick should this team win seven or eight or, or even less than that? Did you see what the over-under was? I saw a couple of Vegas books, the over-under on Patriots wins uh, in the last day or two. And I know local radio here in Boston was talking about it as well. The over-under on wins for the Patriots next year is seven and a half. I, 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 I'm like, I, that actually, wow, that caused me to stop and say, wow. Now, I also realize the Patriots uh, may have uh, one of the more difficult schedules on paper based on the opponents that they'll be pay- playing. We, we don't yet know when those games will be, and we won't know until uh, right around draft time about a month or so from now when the NFL releases the schedule. So, uh, so we're still about a month away from dates and you know, uh, bye weeks and back-to-backs and, you know, who do you have a two-game homestand against and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But the way that I look at it, I think there's maybe one or two games in there. There's one or two teams in there, you know, that you'll probably play here at Gillette that you're kind of like going, yeah, that's definitely win, and yeah, that's definitely win. And then the rest of it's like, well, I don't know. And, yeah, there are a few of them that are like, you know, no, they're not going to win that game. And it's so incredibly early to start talking about wins and losses, and I know everybody likes to play that game, um, and and we'll we'll undoubtedly we'll we'll play it when we get a little bit closer to it. We'll play it, but I'm trying to let this free agency process play out, trying to let uh, the draft play out, and I'm just wondering, uh, it, can this team, in your estimation, here's question number one, can this team? Um, Can this team I, – I, I can't believe I'm even about to say this. Can this team fire Bill Belichick? After everything that's transpired over the last 20 uh, – he said, I think, the owners' meetings this week, 25 years, which I actually thought was probably not the smartest thing to say because I think you have to realize, you know, in this game it's always, what have you done for me lately? You can't live on 25 years of laurels. And, you know – Mike Reese asking Bill at the owners' meetings this week, you know, so what would you say to the fans, you know, and, to, and I'm paraphrasing here, to give them hope for next year? Well, you know, last 25 years was his answer. And I'm just like, wow, that's just really sort of um, myopic. I mean, I think Bill understands the PR game about as well as anybody. But is this basically a sign that, modern-day football has passed him by? You know, I watched uh, Belichick and Saban on NFL Network again the other night. And, 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 I, and I wanted to watch it because of some of the criticism that Bill is taking. Some of it certainly is warranted. I, I can't argue that point. When you have three straight years of not winning a playoff game, two of them losing seasons, Yes, I know. We all kind of dismissed the COVID year. But, hey, somebody had to win in the COVID year. It just wasn't New England. 
So what we've seen transpire here over the last three years after, you know, a solid dynastic two-decade run here in Foxborough, nobody's – we're getting used to a new world. And, and the Patriots are becoming the butt of a lot of jokes around the NFL. And and here's the here's the unkindest cut of all. I saw, oh gosh, was this NFL? I don't want to I don't want to misquote the wrong source here. It was either NFL.com or or it was a uh, oh it was the Athletic. I saw a line in the Athletic. I was reading the Athletic and um, the Patriots. Somebody called the Patriots an afterthought. And the response was, who? See, there's nothing worse to me than being irrelevant. There's nothing worse than being irrelevant. The Patriots have always been relevant. They are a relative, uh, relevant entity in the NFL. But when people look at you and they go, meh, or they don't, they don't look at you at all because you give them no reason to look at you, that's when you need to concern yourself. And that's where I fear the Patriots are slipping. Now, I hope that Bill is sufficiently charged and ready to go. The man has forgotten more football knowledge than you and I combined, all of us combined, will ever possibly know. And I think we all realize that. But can you apply that football knowledge to what will make a team, what will make an athlete, what will make a scheme, what will make an organization successful in 2023 and beyond? I know it. You know it. I've said it on this show for several years now. Bill is not stepping away on his own until he breaks Don Shula's record. I don't think the Crafts want to let him go before he breaks Don Shula's record. Because undoubtedly, if that were to happen, somebody's going to pick Bill up, and they're going to reap the benefits of that, you know, that, that PR fine. Now, I, I, I'm not sure. I can't believe I, I, it feels like I'm speaking heresy here almost. It really does. But I think these are conversations that we sort of have to have with ourselves here to understand that, look, you snooze you lose. Can I really get it more simplistic than that? And I think last year was a big fat snooze. They thought they had the pieces in place, and they thought wrong. Now, I'm not going to, I didn't never expect a bill to stand up in front of a podium and say, hey, I effed up last year. I'm going to say I effed up, I effed up. You know, pull the whole Jim Calhoun thing from, you know, 10, 15 years ago in college basketball, you know. Want me to recruit Ryan Gums? You want me? You think I should have recruited Ryan Gums? Okay, I'll say it. I'll admit it. I effed up. I should have recruited Ryan Gums. No, that that's what. Go back. Google that. Just Google uh, Jim Calhoun tantrum. You'll see that. I don't expect Bill would ever, ever, ever do that. He would never issue a mea culpa. He's just going to put his nose to the grindstone and consider it part of the price of doing business in the NFL. That's what he's going to do. That's what Bill is all about. But what Bill needs to realize, though, is that this is a different day and age. When you are used to dominating, you need to expect to dominate. Other teams are always shooting for you, and guess what? One, two, maybe even three teams in the AFC East have shot for you, have passed you by, or are getting ready to pass you by. Now, is, is that not a, 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 a siren? Is that not a warning? Is that not, you know, uh, gunfire in the distance? What is that? That's something to me. And if you are in the process of 
you know, trying to be competitive and you realize that your opponents have already passed you by, yeah, yeah, I think you need a little bit of different attitude. And I think that's part of the reason behind why we've seen, you know, the the crafts, you know, Robert and Jonathan get involved and, and suggest that we need to be a little bit more transparent with some things and hallelujah for that. But it still disturbs me a bit, it still bothers me a bit that maybe there's a chance that Bill doesn't see that himself. Let's bring in um, our friend Evan Lazar, Patriots.com writer, broadcaster, podcast host. Hey, Ev, how are the owner meeting? Uh, I wasn't at the owner's meetings, actually, but uh, it was interesting to hear everything coming from there. Yeah, we right. think uh, Deuce and, and Tamara were out in the Arizona for us this week, right. but I was uh, monitoring as all of us a very interesting day, as I'm sure you've talked about I, already. Yeah, and, and my, my thought process behind that was, how do you think they went? I should have been a little bit more specific. No, no problem. Uh, it's Look, I, I think that just listening to what you were saying just now, it, I, the part that worries me is, is mixed messaging. It, it feels like we're not on the same page here, right, where ownership has motivations to – to make the playoffs and, and win now as we would expect. And the head coach is preaching patience and flexing his 25 years of a resume with six Super Bowls and all that type of stuff. And I, I don't know. It just seems to me like there's a disconnect between yeah. wanting to win, yeah. wanting to spend, yeah. and not going out and aggressively doing any of those things as it appears right now. Yeah, I, I would just the word I was going to use is disconnect. And, and I feel that after seeing the news and listening to the news conferences, I mean, Bill, Bill was even there in front and center in, uh, in the coach's picture this year. He never does that. He never does that. I mean, he hadn't done it in a few years anyway. But he was there, and, and, and he was a part of the gang, so to speak. I wonder if he felt pressured to do that this year because he's usually pretty aloof if he goes at all. Yeah, I, I don't know about the picture. I, I, I just, I keep coming back to the same thing with this, and that is, along with some of the concerns I had about what was said about the quarterback position, which I'm sure we can get into. Uh, but, but the main thing is, is that we have Mr. Kraft standing there saying, "We want to win now. We want to make the playoffs and be competitive. The budget is not the football budget is not a non-issue, right?" And then on the other hand, you have the coach who's sitting there saying we have no no fear of going out and making a splash move or aggressively pursuing a player. And yet we have him also saying it's a long way to go. We're being patient. We're let, being methodical. We're letting this all play out. And I'm not somebody that overreacts and wants to see them immediately jump on a free agent or trade the world for DeAndre Hopkins just to get it done for headlines and March. I, I'm not, I, I don't feel, find that important. My concern is, is that Bill Belichick still views team building the same way that he did when he had Tom Brady, mm -hmm. which is that build the middle class, get good depth pieces, build through the draft, which I think is still important even, even in the post Brady years. But at the same time, that's a slow burn. And if you don't have those guys at the front of the bus really driving the ship or driving the bus, then you're not going to be able to just build the, you know, a Super Bowl contender with mid-tier players. Mm -hmm. You know, they the, the problem that I think that they have right now is that there's maybe a a a, a brain gap here in looking at what actually made them 
Super Bowl contenders year in and year out right. during the Brady era. Part of the disconnect. What got them, yep. Right. What got them over the top when they had Brady might have been Brady along with all of the other things that Bill has preached. But what made them a contender every year was top of the rock talent, right? Brady, Gronkowski, uh, McCourty, Hightower, like all these guys that are starting to retire now from the second dynasty era. Those are the guys that made them, gave them a puncher's chance every single year. That's why we always thought every single year we're going to be playing in the AFC Championship game with a chance to go to the Super Bowl and a chance to win the Super Bowl. But it's because of those guys. You right. know, the depth pieces, that was all part of the program, but it, it was really the other guys that were driving the bus. Right. That's exactly right. And, and, I, and I asked the question because I, I think it's fair now that if there is this kind of this disconnect between ownership and, 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 and coaching, uh, I mean, Bill's got to be on the hot seat, doesn't he? I mean, if this team wins, you know, the over-under, as I was talking about before you joined, the over-under for this team I've seen in Vegas in a couple of books is 7.5 for wins. 7.5. I don't remember the last time it was that way. It was probably that way in the mid-'90s. So it's been probably close to 30 years since – there's been that low an expectation from the bookmakers of America, you know, and, and that's extraordinary. And I, I got to admit, if, yeah. this, if this team goes to, you know, battle with what they have and they don't coach them up and they only win seven games, I mean, this is a results-oriented business. It will have been four years since this pr- franchise would have, you know, won a playoff game, and only one playoff appearance in four years? Uh, who in the NFL keeps their job with that kind of a standard this day, whether you've won six Super Bowls or not? Uh, I mean, we're, we're starting to tread uh, in uncharted territory here, and i, I got to admit, I, I, I can see the end of the – I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I think it's the train getting ready to run all of our butts over. Yeah, I, I, it's a lot of good points. I, I think the the biggest thing that you look at is – this and again, I'm not about. I, I keep on. I want to keep preaching that I, I don't care about the headlines, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't care about making a splash. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's how you win Super Bowls. I think you win Super Bowls through the draft and and through really uh, developing players that are homegrown players. You know, the names that I just mentioned: Brady, Gronkowski, Hightower, McCordy. Like those guys are. They all have one thing in common. They were all drafted by the Patriots, right? None of these guys were free agents now maybe a, a Darrell Revis might have put them over the top one year or uh you know something like that might have happened that you know Corey Dillon coming here it, you know might have put them over the top in different years but in terms of the foundational pieces of the franchise they've been players that they have drafted and, and they got to get better at drafting and that's the scary part is from a, a perspective of Bill's job security is in reality as we both know John they could draft well in April, but they might not necessarily see the results of that good draft for another year or two. Right. So how much patience do you have if you're going to build through the draft, which I think is the right thing to do in terms of longevity, but how much patience are you going to have with the head coach? Because if they let Bill go at the end of the year because they only won seven games and they missed the playoffs again, and then in two years this draft class ends up having a lot of really good players in it, then we're going to end up looking back and saying, oh, well, you know, these, these are Belichick's guys, right? You know, this mm-hmm. guy that they drafted in the first round, that, that's now the next guy here that, that was a bill pick. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, a tough, it's a tough 
mind to dance because you want the instant gratification of being successful now, but you know the right way to build your team is, is to be methodical in free agency and build through the draft. So how much rope does he really have? At, at this point, it's getting shorter. Uh, but if that's the game that you really want to play in terms of rebuilding your roster, it, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, tricky dance. Yeah, I don't know. Dance. I just don't know which way to roll. I think you're right. I, so I, you know, here, here's the thing: if you, I'm, I'm going to put you in Robert Kraft's shoes for just a second. I know those are big shoes to fill, but I'm going to put you in his shoes for a second. This team goes seven and ten next year and does not make the postseason. What are you doing? I think it depends. It, it, to me, it depends on the reasons why they don't make the postseason. So I know that's a cop out answer, but if the reason, if the main reason that we can all look at this team and say that the the roster talent was probably why they didn't make it, right? And last year, I think it was a combination of the two things. But I think more of the blame pie goes to coaching. Yeah, uh, I, I think that that's where more people point to as the reason why they weren't more competitive for the playoffs. They were one game out of the playoffs, and if you have a little bit better coaching, you're probably in, mm-hmm. right? That, mm-hmm. that, that's sort of the thought. I would agree so, with that. I would agree with that. You're, yeah. you're, you're really closer than you may think you are, but what happens if you don't get there? There's, a, there's an inherent amount of pressure now that really hasn't been there either of the last couple of years. Yeah, and I, I, well, I come back to how Bill looks at constructing the roster. And if he's going to be your head coach, he's also going to be your GM, and that person is going to have this same line of thinking of, like I said earlier, middle class, strength of your middle class, depth, value in free agency in the veteran market. Right? And, you know, what do we keep hearing about? Yeah, they're in on DeAndre Hopkins and Jerry Judy, but they don't want to overpay for either player. Well, in order to get receivers of that caliber, just look around the league, you might have to overpay a little bit, right? Like, you, you know, that, that, that's just the reality of the situation. Now, I'm not saying that they should go trade the 14th overall pick for DeAndre Hopkins, but if the sticking point is the Patriots are looking in, you know, a, a mid-round pick or I get in the, a fourth rounder or something like that, and the Cardinals want – the 46th overall pick, this is their second-round pick, mm-hmm. th- that's probably what he's going to end up going for, and it's probably not going to be the Patriots, right? Like, right. You know, it's, uh, at some point, you have to look at it and see what the rest of the league is doing. And this is the one thing, I, I think the receiver position and skill talent is the one thing that really they have some sort of blinders on about that position group because they've struggled to draft it, we know that mm-hmm. they they can't get it in the draft, or they've struggled to, mm-hmm. and then they don't want to pay for it in the veteran market. And I think that they're really on an island on how they view that. I, mean, I think the other thirty-one teams in the league, it's an arms race, right? Everybody's trading for receivers left and right. Everybody's drafting them early. Like that's just the way that these things go now. And now the Patriots are are in a different, operating in a different world than yeah. everybody else, where. At receiver, they draft Tyquan Thornton 50th overall, and then they trade basically pick swap for Devontae Parker last offseason. Mm-hmm. Like, those are their big moves. Yep. Meanwhile, A.J. Brown was available, Tyreek Hill was available, right? You know, these other bigger commodities were out there, and even in the first round, there was other options. You know, they I, I don't want to go and 
and play, you know, revisionist history on the draft. Right, 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 right. You know, they sit there and they draft Cole Strange, and Christian Watson goes six picks later. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 stay in this area for a moment because, be that as it may, I kind of like what they've done thus far in free agency. I mean, I love I like the pick of Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it's a slight upgrade, no matter you know what you think about Jacoby Myers. And I love Jacoby when he was here. I think Smith-Schuster clearly has the ability for yards after the catch that this team has been missing that element. So I'm, I'm buying in on that one. I also like the pickup of Mike Gesicki because they couldn't defend the son of a gun when he was playing with the Dolphins. And I think he'd, he's, he's going to be a great target over the middle. So to me, I think they're doing some of the things that they needed to try try to do to make sure that Bill O'Brien has the weapons to set in front of Mac Jones. But what we're also doing here at the same time is, is that we're, we're still sticking to some of the same principles that you talked about. And uh, I, you know, I don't know if anybody understands, maybe except, you know, as I've talked about, and maybe a few more are starting to catch on here, the sense of urgency that really needs to be in place here. Now, nobody's panicking, but if you don't connect this year and take this team where, you know, let's let's call it as it is, where, where fans think, you know, their birthright is, and that's to be in the postseason. If this team doesn't get back there this year, It's I think it's time to move on. And I, like I said, I feel like I'm committing heresy here by saying that. But I, I'm trying to look at the long-term best interest of the organization. You've had three years, uh, you know, to kind of shore things up. You'd have had a fourth year. And if you're still treading water, where the heck are we going with this thing? And I think ownership has a right to ask that question as, like I said, they're the bosses. And regardless of what kind of you know sweat equity Bill Belichick has put into this situation, which he has way more than anybody else, I'll give you that. I, it's hard for me to argue against the hardware, but we all know professional sports, collegiate sports, hell, sports period, such a huge freaking business now. It's always has been and always going to be. What have you done lately? And lately it would have been squat, and that's why you have to kind of hold yourself to that standard. Am I off base with that assessment? No, no, and I, I agree with you wholeheartedly with with the free agency haul that they've put together. And I, I think what I like about it is, is that they haven't chased the market, right? They haven't gone out there and given out a Johnny Smith level contract or a Nelson Aguilar contract, even which was you know for shorter term and everything, but still a contract that took some people by surprise and really overpaid in the market. They, they've found good value. And this, to me, is is a is the way that you build longevity in the league. It is mm-hmm. you, you find value in free agency to fill holes, and you build through the draft. Like so where's the dis- how the good teams do where's it? Where's the disconnect now, though, Evan? Because this is a philosophy we know, and this is the biggest question that I really have when it comes to considering what Bill has done lately. All right. In the past, as he's built this franchise up, he's taken the you know the the guys with the chips on their shoulders, right? The lower price free agents that want to come in and prove themselves. Where has that philosophy gone off the track? Well, I, I think ultimately it, it comes back to what I was saying at the beginning about having those top of the end roster guys. Like if if Juju Smith Schuster right. was coming in to be your wide receiver too, I hate that term, but to come in and be your your complementary receiver to a star receiver, mm-hmm. then he fits in nicely into the puzzle. But mm-hmm. I think what the issue is is that sometimes I feel like this organization and this football operation view Juju Smith-Schuster as enough, that, that's, that he can be 
We, you know, we don't look at it like you guys do with wide receiver one, wide receiver two, right? We just look at he plays a role, he plays a role, he plays a role. Right. But at the end of the day, star power is star power in any right. league, in any sport. And I think they've done a nice job in free agency setting themselves up in certain respects with their depth. But we went into free agency and we said wide receiver, offensive tackle, and outside corner right. were their three biggest needs. Right. We are coming out of free agency, and their three biggest needs are still wide still there. receiver, tackle, and yeah, corner. Absolutely, right there. And I'm just like, what? 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 What are we doing? What are we doing here? And 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 I'm, I can only assume that they're going to try to amend those in the draft, you know, or they've still got something cooking. And and I think you're right. The nail yeah. on the head here is that they don't have the star power, and either a they don't want to pay for the star power, or b and even scarier, they don't feel they need the star power. They had star power before here on short money. How many times did Tom Brady restructure his contract? You know, for goodness sake, we we know all these stories. These are well documented. But we all know Tom Brady's not walking through that door tomorrow. So, you know, and, and nor is Rob Gronkowski or Dante Hightower or Devin, you know, McCourty. And, and you know, I just those guys are, are done. So you've got to replace that star power with star power rather than next man up. The next man up philosophy does not work in this regard. Yeah, I don't even know. And this is, I think, something that I'm starting to – to really think hard about is I, I don't even know if the philosophies that they built the dynasty with are really, I don't know if they're, they're applicable anymore. You know, some of the things that they really went out and, and did uh, for 20 years, the, the methodical free agencies, the value plays, the, the searching for those hidden gems, you know, an undrafted free agency and things like that, that, that really, we're building out the depth and the supplementary pieces and, and keeping that pipeline fresh and, you know, next man up, like you put it, right? Yeah. I, I just don't know if you don't ha- – again, if you don't have a, a game-changing quarterback, an elite Tom Brady-level quarterback, I, I don't know if the rest of the pieces can fall into place the same way like they used to. And, right. and I look at a guy right. like, like Mac Jones, and I, I see – you know, first of all, I, I really didn't like the things that have been that were said between both coach and and owner. To be honest with you, uh, about the quarterback position the other day. Mm-hmm. But besides that, I, I look at a guy like Mac Jones, and I see Jalen Hurts, and I see Tua, and I see uh, you know to an extent. I know that most of those guys are draft picks as well, but Joe Burrow, and, and I see the the way that their organizations are setting them up to succeed. And they're not saying you need to be on your own this this you know this guy, right? You 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 need to do it on your own. Yeah. Cuz we're not going to pay for it, we're not going to invest in it, whatever the case may be. The the Dolphins were in a very similar spot with Tua after two seasons. The Patriots are now with Mac Jones. Had some good moments, had some good stretches, but really was a middling quarterback in his first two seasons. And they looked at it and they said, let's go out and get Tyree Kill. Let's draft Jalen Waddle early. Let's get an offensive-minded guru in here in Mike McDaniel. And, yeah, he got hurt at the end of the year. But for the first 10 weeks of the season last year, the Dolphins had one of the most efficient offenses in the league. Mm-hmm. So does this brain trust, is this brass of the Patriots, do they view it that way? 
Do they see that we can build the roster around the quarterback to be the driving force and not necessarily have to have the superstar quarterback? Or if they don't and they feel like they need that level of quarterback, and like I said yesterday, John, on on, on filtered, yep. go get Lamar Jackson. Right. Right? Like, right. If, that, if you feel like the quarterback, and this is what I go back to with the what was said about Max the other day, if you don't believe in the quarterback and you're not going to invest in the skill talent to help prop up this quarterback. Then change the damn quarterback. Then what are we talking about? Yes. I agree with that. And that leads me right into the next thing, the next big topic over the last couple of days, in addition to the owners' meetings and, 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 and Mr. Kraft basically saying what he's said already. Uh, and this apparent disconnect now between ownership and coaching in New England is the whole Lamar Jackson issue. Now, we, we know for those that are uninitiated, somehow you may have had your head buried in the sand. You know, uh, we, we find out that apparently, we think, Lamar Jackson wants to come to New England. But I don't ever see that happening, nor do I really think it should if it were left up to me. However, however, as we've just been talking, if you feel like quarterback is still your major issue – why wouldn't you spend the money to go get the guy? Yeah. Well, I mean, that, I just to me, these are unexplained, like, you know, uh, philosophical instances that I'm like, okay, so if Mac is not going to do it, and you're convinced now that Mac is not going to do it, and hell, if you looked at last year as a single entity, you know, as a, a standalone entity, you'd have to say Mac's not going to do it because they didn't treat him right. And I think we know that, and that was a huge mistake, and we're never going to get that mea culpa. But it's it was. It was a big mistake. So if he's still the issue, and you're not going to surround him with the kind of talent where he can really be successful, why don't you get a guy who's got superstar written across his forehead, even if it's going to cost you $25 million a year? Yeah, uh, it, it's a really fair point, and that's sort of where I'm at with the whole thing as well. Is Like you just put it, if you don't feel like Mac Jones is – good enough to 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 drive the bus himself to elevate the people around him but you also don't want to elevate the people around him then you got a problem yeah right yeah because now you're going to be a middling team because you have middle middling support talent you know skill talent for mac jones supporting cast and you have a middling quarterback so you're you're going to be a nine right middling so, is that, not going to beat the bills not going to beat the dolphins and probably won't beat the jets Right. And the biggest issue that I've had really since the day that Josh McDaniels left is whether, regardless of what you think of Mac Jones, whether you think he's got franchise quarterback potential or not, Mac Jones was this organization's, and I still think this organization's most prized asset. They have a young quarterback who the head coach has already admitted it. The, the best compliment he could possibly give him, it, it appears, mm-hmm. is that he can play in the league. Yep. So you have a young quarterback that can play in the league, that quarterback a national champion in college, that made the playoffs as a rookie, and since the day that Josh McDaniels left, they have ruined him. They have taken him, and they've played. They they hit bingo without a ruin a young quarterback, right? <laughs> they put him sad with but true. Coaching. Yeah. They put him in a in a middling support talent offense, skill talent offense, and they won't go out and, and upgrade the skill talent significantly to help him. The coach, the, like I just said, the nicest thing that Bill Belichick will say about Mac Jones is that he can play in this league. 
mm-hmm. then he was asked at the owners' meetings this week about Mac Jones, and he says that basically he's in an open competition with Bailey Zappi mm-hmm. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Not even you know a, a draft pick or Lamar Jackson. No, he basically said we're going to let the best player play, which I think was implying that Bailey has a chance to start. Right. Tell, the that, owner, that tells me that if it's open, then this is truly an open competition, which is why. Why are we even doing this? That's what was my first reaction when he right. said it's an open competition this week of the owners' meetings. And I'm like, well, then if it's an open competition, why the hell aren't you throwing Lamar Jackson's name into the mix? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the owner says the right thing initially about Mac, right? Good kid, hard worker. I believe in him. And then he goes out and he and he throws out this this you know smoking gun about Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, I'm just that, that's it. So now I'm, the owner is flirting with a, a, another team's quarterback who's available. By the way, right? Of course he is. Right. And uh, look, I hope that Mac Jones has the mental toughness to say, you know what, f you guys, I'm just going to do it anyways. Like I, I hope that. And maybe that's what Bill's thinking is, is that that's how he's going to motivate Mac Jones. Sure. Instead of coddling him like he did last offseason a little bit where he said, oh, he looks so physically he's you know much better and better shape and he's so far along compared to last year. And he's, he, A lot of verbal bouquets from Bill last offseason, and they got the season that they got. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's trying tough love with them. Well, uh, I, I guess yeah, that's one thing they really haven't tried with him yet. So, okay, I'll I'll buy that to an extent. But, man, you are cutting it close. There's got to be some yeah. results here. Yeah, and it, it just feels like they're really cutting down the kid's confidence. And Mr. Kraft at least went out there and said, we experimented with something on the coaching staff last year that, that didn't work out and didn't put him in a position to succeed. And we need to put him in in a better spot to right, excel. Right. But these things that they've done, those those things that I just listed off, you know, the the jabs through the media, uh, the coaching situation that they set him up with last year, uh, the just unwillingness to go out and, and get receiver talent mm-hmm. to help him along. Mm-hmm. These are things that we used to make fun of other organizations for ruining quarterbacks over. <laughs> yeah. And, and now we're making fun of ourselves. Um, all right, so the, the third person that I, I wanted to – and the third question I really had is still another free agent issue, but it's the, it's the key name that has popped up here. And, by the way, we should, before we end up any discussion here on Lamar Jackson, should say there have been several reports out there, not the least of which came from, I think, Boston Sports Journal, also Jeff Howe, the Athletics, saying that the Patriots are not interested in Lamar Jackson. Do you think that they are? Would they change their minds? Have you been led to believe anything one way or the other? No, I, I don't think they're interested in Lamar Jackson either to, to this point. I, I think that what you look at, is there's a lot of different complicating factors here right. that probably shouldn't exist that do exist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one of them being just <laughs> Lamar's health and his ability to stay healthy exactly. uh, with the playing style. Yeah, what are you pu- I think it's yeah. concerning for a lot of owners. And then I think the other thing is yeah. – is, the Deshaun Watson contract and mm-hmm. giving out guaranteed, you know, fully guaranteed deals. And I think a lot of, I don't want to use the word, I don't want to go as far as to say collusion. But I was I just that saying that. I was just thinking that. I'm like, this is going to be collusion. You know it is. It's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. No one wants to pay and that kind of a contract anymore. 
Right. And you go to these owners' meetings in the offseason, and you know, Robert Kraft is obviously a very prominent owner with a good reputation with the rest of the ownership uh, groups. And if he goes in there and he's the, he's the outlier, like the Browns are currently, yep, yep, you yep. kind of get shunned from those circles, mm-hmm, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that, that's how you make some enemies yep. is by going out and, and uh, you know, doing something like that. Now, Lamar is a totally, totally different on and off the field equation than Deshaun Watson. And I think that that's where the frustration lies for me. Mm-hmm. The narrative with him because he has none of the off-field baggage that Deshaun Watson came with. Right. That's what made the Browns' contract so poor yeah. in such poor taste. Because of the baggage that came along for the right. Right. Yeah, 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 absolutely. All right, you know what the third? You know who the third person is. It's DeAndre Hopkins. Does he have a better chance, theoretically, of coming to New England than Lamar Jackson? And would the Patriots, you know, if the price keeps coming down, would the Patriots take a shot at this? We know that there's a mutual admiration society between he and Bill Belichick. I mean, could this thing possibly happen? And would he even be the one that the Patriots really need to make the offense more formidable? Look, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't want DeAndre Hopkins because I think that's crazy talk. But I, I do think that there are some football concerns that I would have uh, with DeAndre Hopkins, mainly his age. Mm-hmm. And at this point, his playing style, it, they, they would be very they would be very reliant on possession-type receivers mm-hmm. if that was the, the acquisition, right? You know, yep, yep. DeAndre Hopkins, the tight end, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker is still on this team. Like they don't really, unless Tyquan Thornton hits, they, or maybe they go back in the draft still, even if they do trade for Hopkins, which I doubt they would invest all that at receiver, but maybe they do. And they get another guy that can run and can separate and, and, and create explosive plays down the field and things like that. And maybe it, it opens up the offense a little bit, but I think you are still very, very slow offensively. Mm-hmm. And. That, that's something that I would be a little bit concerned about stylistically with DeAndre Hopkins, but he's such a talented player that I'm not, I would never say no. In terms of the price, I think that the Cardinals have been extremely frustrated with the market for DeAndre Hopkins. They look at his age. Uh, they look at his production in the league. Even his production last year when he came back from the suspension was off the charts. I mean, he was top five in the league in receiving yards per game. He would have been well over 1,000 yards if he played the whole year. Mm-hmm. So... He hasn't dropped off in terms of that production in terms of, you know, at least last year, but he hasn't played a ton of games the last two seasons, and he's just not getting the market that they expected. Arizona thought that they were going to get a haul for DeAndre Hopkins. I think the the Christian McCaffrey package, I think Jeremy Fowler from ESPN threw that that sort of parameters out there, right? They thought they were going to get a a haul uh, for the player, and the haul is not out there. You know, there's a lot of teams like, Buffalo, like Kansas City, and I think like the Patriots that are basically saying, if you want a salary dump, DeAndre Hopkins, then we're more than willing to be here to catch him, right? Mm-hmm. If that's what you want to do, then we're we're here yep. uh, to, to make that to, to facilitate that that trade, right? But there, the teams that are interested in him are looking at the Brandon Cooks deal with Dallas and saying that that's closer to what we're willing to give up for DeAndre Hopkins than, let's say, what the Raiders you know, gave up for Devontae Adams or mm-hmm. what the, uh, the uh, Eagles gave up for A.J. Brown, mm-hmm. right, a first and a third or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's been frustrating for the Cardinals side of things 
They got a new GM, Monty Austin Fort. We know him well in New England. And I think the last thing that he wants to do is trade DeAndre Hopkins, this superstar player for the Cardinals, for pennies on the dollar. It's not a great first big move. No, it's not. To make as a new GM. Right. So there's been a little bit of a sticking point, I think, there with the price. And if it comes down, and I, I think the Patriots will be interested. I also think they'll be interested in Jerry Judy or are interested in Jerry Judy. Uh, but I think the similar thing with that is that the Broncos are – are a little bit, you know, different circumstances, certainly because of the age and everything, but the Broncos are not in the market now with Jerry Judy where they have to give him away. Right. Yeah, if I, they I get sh- blown away with an offer, then, yeah, I think they would trade him to recoup some of the draft picks that they gave up for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Yeah. But they're not in the market of just handing out receivers. No, <laughs> I, 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 actually so, think, I actually think Judy now is less likely than Hopkins, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, I, I just think that the Broncos were were willing to listen to calls about Jerry Judy and also to a lesser degree, I think, in terms of the Patriots, Cortland Sutton as well, mm-hmm. to try to get a first-round pick back so that they could fill in the yeah. gaps from those two trades right. that they made. But right. they're not desperately trying to get rid of either player. Right. So uh, that that's, that's an overpay. Like, you're going to have to overpay to acquire Jerry Judy. They're not they're right. not going to come down. And I don't think they're and I don't think the Patriots are going to do that. So ultimately Evan my my thought is is that I actually believe my thought right now today is that the Patriots do not make a move on Hopkins or Judy and they look for a receiver in the draft. That's my thought based on 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 what they've already brought in and as far as free agents are concerned, I think the Patriots are going to hold pat. I think they're going to try to build the rest of it through the draft and I sure as heck hope that they do a good job at it. <laughs> I think that, that that's the sound thinking. Now, I think that the at this point, I look at receiver, and I, I, there's two receivers in this draft that I would take in the first round, and I, that's Jackson Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I would take Zay Flowers at 14, but I think he's a first-round talent. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe they trade down, you know, five to ten spots and take him a little bit later, whatever. Right? You know, at that point where. We're splitting hairs. Right. I think those two guys are worth it in the first round. I think you again. It comes back to what I was saying about investment at that at that position, skill position. You, you can't just wait till the fourth round to take a receiver, nope. right? No, nope, no, nope. you're right. You you got to draft. You got to take one of the guys. Yeah, you got to make yeah. the investment in one of the guys. Whether it's like you said, trading down a few spots and taking Zay, or or you know taking the kid from SC or whatever. You know, if you've got to go up to get him, I mean, who knows right now? And this is what will be talked about over the course of the of the next month. Hey, Evan, thank you so much for taking a little time today. Really appreciate it. Even though I know that you're off busy doing other things, you 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 actually took the time to come on the show today, and you're working from home today. I am. Yes, I'm. I'm plugging away on draft stuff right now. We're going to release. It's underway talking a, to you. <laughs> a, a draft guide, so it, it'll be good. Well, and, uh, I'm. I'm working on the finishing touches of that. I, I knew that you were busy. So at any rate, I appreciate your willingness to do this for us and engage in a little, uh, a little pre-draft banter. And and uh, I'm hoping that we can uh, that we can try to combine forces a little bit as we get closer to draft time. I'll let um, I'll let Marine talk to you about that. But uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again when we get closer to draft time. Yes, absolutely. Anytime, John. Thanks, Ev. Appreciate you. Evan Lazar, the one and only, at EZLazar, Patriots.com writer, uh, co-host here on Patriots Playbook, has his own pod here on Patriots.com radio, frequent contributor to Patriots Unfiltered. Yeah, yeah, we've turned him into just about everything that we can possibly turn him into. 
you know, now we need to turn him into, you know, you know, the know-all, see-it-all, you know, football guru himself. There's no guru like Russell Baxter, but we need a Patriots guru, and I think Evan is certainly a huge candidate for that particular honor, right? Speaking of that, Russell will join us here in about, uh, uh, when's he doing, 3.30? Into the, Russell's at 3.30. Okay, so 45 minutes or so away. Zach Cox from Nesson.com is always going to join us. In the meantime, it's up to you. 855-PATS-500. Eldred, my man. Eldred, thanks for hanging in, brother. How you doing, uh, Mr. Legend? Good to talk to you, bro. <laughs> it's always it's always good to talk to you, Eldred. Where, where's where's our route yep. taking us today? Where are you at? Uh, I'm in Charlotte. I just got to drop this big old uh, tank off, I guess, to this. Uh, look like it's, it's a home. Yep. Yeah. Then after wow. that, I'm, I'm done with that. I hope I'm done. For well, that's day. good. Yeah. Hey, I was in your neck of the woods last week. I was in Greensboro. I wish you'd let me know. <laughs> <laughs> they got a good barbecue place up there, too. Oh, damn. Well, all right. Yeah. All right. Well, my bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I was kind of working. Yeah, I was kind of working. So, but, you know, all right. Well, well, you like, you was only like an uh, hour and a half away. Oh, well, that's. You yeah. know, only I do hit, hit 85 or uh, go back and hit 40. <laughs> And go around and right, right to Greensboro. That would be the, the that would still be the experience of my lifetime to drive in the cab as your swamper. <laughs> oh yeah, it has been all right, wouldn't? <laughs> but no, I came I came and got you the Camaro. Wouldn't have been. In- oh, okay, I, okay. So you're not going to pick me up in the 18 wheeler. You're going to pick me up in the Camaro. All right, all right, all right. Pick up in the Camaro. Yeah. All right, okay. Pick up in 18 wheeler. All right. Well, that's no. my bad. I got to. I got to work on that. My my sense of timing is off. Trust me on that one. Don and Eldred in a Camaro. Watch out, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, windows down and the sunroof back. Yes. Go for it. Yes, I like it. I like it. All right, so you you even you even uh, you, you uh, DM'd me yesterday saying you couldn't wait for today so we could talk. So tell me tell me why you're you're so hot and bothered here. I've been hot and bothered fifteen years for that compound GM we got. You know, I, I knew we were going. And there. I've been saying it for fifteen years. I knew yep. we, I knew we were and going. It, there. It, it, yes, and, it, and everybody keeps saying they Bill Belichick apologist. Well, he didn't have a player. It was right there. He went right by him. Mm-hmm. He was doing bargain basement. Bargain basement shopping instead of getting the right groceries, mm-hmm. you know. And Evan was right though. You had uh, Brady, you had uh, you know uh, Brewski, you had 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 a high tower, McCordy, and then you had some corners on the side that would you know help guide the ship while you built the middle class. Yeah. And sometimes the middle class helped out, but mainly I'm gonna say it again. It was TB number twelve. Yeah, he was the coach. He was twelve years, but like I said, I ain't never heard nobody say. It's time to stop Bill Belichick. There's always Tom Brady mm-hmm. in that offense. Mm-hmm. And the defense carry. You know, I, I admit, he, he picked the players. He did that. But the rest of that stuff is, you know, that was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And like Evan said, you can't shop like that now. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. And last year, like I told you, uh, last year draft, an elf. And the reason why I give it an elf, you got a, you got a guard. You had corners sitting in there. You had Avalé. You had Watson. And each, each one of them doing better than – then uh, uh, Tyrod right down. You had some corners. Yeah, you can start building from there. And this year, Ramsey was going for a third-round draft pick from the Rams. Uh, and the guy you know, Gilmore, went for a fifth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then your two starting corners until you get, get one through the draft or whatever to start off because the offense in, the, in, in our division is getting better. And you ain't doing nothing to stop them. Mm-hmm. You know, you just lost, lost McCourty. I thought McCourty was an average safety anyway, but I understand he was the glue back there that's 
getting the coverage and all that. You know, I finally found that out, so I got to give him a little props on that. But you, you keep thinking back in the '80s. This is not the '80s. This is 2023. Right. Things change. Prices goes up. Caps goes up, and you're gonna have to get with the program. And Bill won't get with the program. The biggest problem is Bill Belichick, and that's that's him in the draft. So tell me you know, what like, tell tell me what Bill specifically hasn't done that you think he should be doing. He always going after the bargain basement guys instead of going after the compound athletes. And that's kind of what Evan was just talking about. And yes, sir. I've been saying that for years before Evan came on. You did. I know. Listen, well, that's why I'm setting you up here. I'm throwing you a big fat softball, and it's time for you to smash it out of the park. Okay, I totally yep. look. I get that. The the, the 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 lesser expensive, less expensive free agents aren't squat unless you have top of the line guys anchoring your lineup, and that's where the Patriots have aired over the last three to four years. It's pretty simple. And if nobody can see that, then you ain't looking. That's right, and and, and uh, I get it all the time on, I get it all the time on uh, NFL, uh, Patriots uh, uh, Facebook page. Yep. Everybody tell oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the bit. I, I tell you what, like I told Mr. Kraft mm-hmm. uh, one time on on your radio show. Mm-hmm. Let me draft for you one time. You ain't got a damn pay me. I bet you I draft better than your GM. Bet you. I, I you know listen as long as we've talked as long as you and I have known each other, and and as long as we, and as much as we've talked about it, I honestly. And this is this is no word of a lie. I honestly believe you could probably do a very representative job, Eldred for GM. I would be on board with that. I'd be on board yes, with that. Sir. If you want to but, save want to save money, here you go. Eldred says he'll do it for free. Do it for free. You ain't got to pay me because I'm like everybody else. I'm you, tired of being a buddy into the jokes with my team now. Well, all right, I mean, and, and, and I and I am too, and I am too as a fan. I understand that, and you're right. And and yes, part sir. of what I talked about to open up the show today was was the fact that the Patriots are sliding ever precariously closer to irrelevancy in the NFL, and that's not something that I think anybody is really prepared for. You know, it's always been you know, oh, I love the Patriots, or oh, I hate the Patriots, but now it's kind of like yeah. I don't give a crap about the Patriots, and that's what yeah. really stings. So here's here's what I want you to do, Eldred, over the next month, because we'll, we're going to do the show. The ne- the April show is going to be the, the night, the day before the draft. Okay, so okay. I want you to come up with a plan. I want you to you know pay attention to what's going on in the media as best as you can. You know, make sure though that you're not you know driving the rig or anything like that, because we want to you know make sure that everybody's healthy and safe and everything. But I I want you to make I, I not 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 the whole draft, okay? I want you to make the first three picks of the draft for the Patriots, okay? Oh, I can tell you this now. All right, tell me then if you're ready to do it. I can tell you now. To make the first three picks the Patriots need to make. I'll take the uh, the number fourteen and put a third with it, or a fourth, move up to number six, and and, and get uh, uh, Gonzalez. Okay. Get, get Gonzalez. Okay. Because I'm not. Uh, I keep seeing these mock drafts where we get that 14, Ben Jean Robinson. Okay for a running back, but I don't want a running back at 14. Bijan Robinson. Got a yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's and and he he is he is a special back, but I would tell you I think 14 is too high for a running back. Yes, sir. Uh, give me a, give me a corner. I hate. I want uh, I want Quinston Johnson as that outside receiver threat. Me and Ever keep going back and forth on him, but I still say. That could be best receiver. Okay. All right. JSE ain't going to be okay, but that's going to be the guy in the class because he got to. I think we just lost. Know, and he's going 
Oh, hang on. Yeah. Now we got you back, Elder. Go ahead. You're, you're fading in and out. It stuck, and I, and I put together a socket and something to move back up into about, about the 20th or whatever. If I had to use a, a future draft pick, then I go get good Quinton Johnson. Okay. And that's going to be my first two moves, first three moves. Okay. Because you need a corner and you need a wide receiver. Well, there's no question that you've, you've hit both of those areas, and I and I happen to like those picks. My problem is, though, is that you're talking about you know dealing in, in uh, areas that are not absolute. When you are hoping to move up, you got to find you got to find a dance partner, and if the Patriots are moving up, I'm just not sure that the Patriots are going to be able to find a dance partner. You can find a dance partner if you want to move back a lot easier, which is quite frankly why I think the Patriots do it a lot, is because they like that draft capital, and so that's what they'll do. Well, so I think you're more likely up, to move back. Well, yeah, they moved up, got high tower, and they moved up, got uh, I think was it Chandler Jones or was it was it Chandler There's Jones? Uh, they moved yeah, up. yeah, it might have been. Yeah. They moved up and they got both of them. Yeah. So he had moved up, but mainly he been doing the two step backwards, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, and we just get mad about that. Me and Eric both used to get mad and start fussing about that. Mm-hmm. Why are you moving backwards? Mm-hmm. You know. But like I said before, sir, that's what I would do. Try to move up and get those two. If I can't get both, I'm uh, which I hate. I love my wide receivers, but I got to go get the best corner. And to me, that's going to be done solid. Okay. George, uh, Porter going to be second. And that guy from Alabama, Eric or Rick, something whatever. Okay. He might be okay, but I like Gonzalez because he's smooth and he's playing on, off, press, drop. You know, the way they way they like to play. Mm-hmm. And I move up and I go get that guy if mm-hmm. I was Bill. Mm-hmm. But then again, like I said before, got the same guy picking. Yeah. And that's the problem. Okay. Okay. Well. You know, I, I, I kind of like what they did uh, for the most part with, with some of the picks in last year's draft. And I think you're not going to score on every one of them. So I'm willing to, again, cut them a little slack for this one uh, and hope that they can put together a second consecutive strong draft because I think they are going to need to. That's my biggest issue right now. I think they're going to need to because I, I, I really believe the pressure's on, and and it probably yes, should uh, be. I think, I think so. we need to all be playing and all be operating around here with a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, giddy-up in our hindsight because, quite frankly, uh, we've been too complacent for too long around here. Somebody needs to play yep. like somebody's had, you know, their, their, their pants legs set on fire. Yes, sir. I think so, too. But then again, like I said uh, – I'm not going to give him a break for last year's draft because that was pitiful. I'm sorry. I know you needed a guard and them other guys, you know, they went before. Well, you do need that. You, you, you need, but, 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 but you don't, but you could have got that guard 34th round. Yeah, you probably could have. You, you probably could have. I, I, but that's, again, I try not to deal too much in revisionist history only because there's nothing you can really do to change it. You can only take a step yeah, forward true. now. So based on what you've experienced, hopefully you've learned something about the moves that you've made. My biggest issue is, is are we going to make the same type of changes or make the same type of moves again? And our argument here is. That's my, the, that's my fear. Yes, that's the whole argument here. We've seen what's happened. Three straight years of not winning a playoff game. When are we fixing it? When are, when are we changing the philosophy? When are we going to go out and get the guy? You know, depending on, on the on the on the on the uh, position and the amount of money to be paid for that position. Because in this day and age of the NFL, you have to be able to do that. The Tom Brady days of taking you know uh, pennies on the dollar are gone. Over. Yes. Gone. Over. 
And if you want to be relevant again, you got to bring in the man. Whoever the man is, you got to bring the man. That's the way the game is played. It's the way other teams are doing it. I don't disagree with the basic philosophy that the Patriots have, you know, used over the last 20 years. It's gotten them six Super Bowls. I get it. But the game changes and you fail when you fail to change with the game. Yes, sir. And see, that's just the problem. Bill don't think he failed. Bill think is the players and, uh, you know, not getting on board. And that's what he thinks. He don't think, you know, maybe what I'm doing is wrong. He don't think that. Well, he's, he's not acting like I, I'm getting, you see, know? and, and then, that's. Then you keep paying special teamers, which I can't understand why you keep paying so much. Well, because, because games are, I agree. I agree with the basic premise that games are won and lost on special teams. And the Patriots special teams last year were horrible. And if the Patriots special teams were any better last year, I, I don't think that they're 8-9. and nine. I think they're probably at least 9-8. and eight. They might have been 10-7. and seven. I think special teams could have made the difference in at least one, and we know which game that is, or two games. So if you combine special, better special teams with an actual offensive coordinator, you know, a couple of decent receivers – maybe a little bit of improvement in depth on the offensive line, and if the defense can continue to be what it has been, and that might even be a stretch, but I'm just going to say if, 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 then I think this team is a 10-win team, and I think you're talking about you know postseason, and it's right there for the taking. Now, that may or may not be good enough, but this team needs to reach the postseason, and it needs to win a game in the postseason. That anything short of that, I'm going to pull an Eric Scalavino on you here. Okay, anything short of that is a failure. Yes, sir. But like I said, the the main thing is, do Bill Belichick think that, or do he think, well, I can just get this guy, that well, guy, tweak this, tweak we're, that? We're getting you know, ready. We're getting ready to find out. We're getting ready to find out because if, if if he thinks the status quo is okay, and they go seven and ten or eight and nine again this year, uh, we might be having a different conversation exactly one year from now. Yes, sir. Yes, it might be. Gerard Mayo might be thrust into a role that he is or isn't ready for yet. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Maybe. But like I said, the only thing he got to do is just realize, okay, I screwed up. Let me do this. And uh, uh, I'm worried about Matt Jones' psyche. <laughs> I know. But uh, like I said, well, I didn't want him in the first place. I wanted I wanted uh, Justin Fields. Yeah, but, I know, but again, but, revisionist but history. I, 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 feel for, I feel for him, yeah. I yeah. feel for him. We can't. Yeah, we can't do any. Yeah, we can't do anything about that. They, you know, the, the, now what do we do with what we have? That's the biggest thing, and I think that you know Bill O'Brien's inclusion here is certainly a step in the right direction. It's not a panacea. It's not going to cure everything, but it will be better, I think, for the mindset going in the right direction. And let's give him a chance to work with the kid and 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 see how it transpires. I just hope they can surround him with, you know, enough talent. That's my biggest issue. Eldred, thank you so much for the phone call, buddy. It's good to hear from you. And I do hope to hear from you next month when we do the draft show. Zach Cox covers the Patriots for Nesson and Nesson.com. Kind enough to join us here for a few minutes here in the playbook. Hey, Zach, how goes the battle? The battle goes well, John. How are you? Yeah, we're we're battling, as you can probably tell. You know, the the major yeah. issues that we you know have kind of sitting before us today are things that we we've, we've known have been lurking, and and they really haven't been lurking. They've been front and center. And I think the owners' meetings this last week uh, sort of brought them to the fore. 
but I just I wanted to get as somebody who covers the team from clearly an, uh, an alleged unbiased era. I mean, you, you don't know who's coming from which direction there. So I'm not accusing you, Zach. Okay, first of all, let me get that straight. I think you do a very good job in covering the team. Some slants are different than others, so let's just consider this an unbiased look forward and what your opinion is looking forward. And and if you feel this, great. If you don't, that's fine. Let's talk about it. There is a huge disconnect between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Do you see that? Do you feel that? Have you long thought about that? And is it fixable? It's an interesting question because in, uh, on one hand, I do feel like there was a little bit more, uh, I guess, alignment this offseason mm-hmm. than maybe we've seen uh, in previous offseasons or, or previous months uh, with Belichick seemingly acknowledging that Yes, the offensive coaching situation was a mess last year. They needed to go out uh, and fix that and remedy that, and they did. Uh, we don't know exactly what the the behind the scenes kind of discussions were about that, um, but the fact that they were so proactive in going out uh, and kind of booting out Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, getting in somebody who actually knows what he's doing in Bill O'Brien, I, I think that was a big step in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, but the comments that we've heard from, from Robert Kraft, uh, really it's, it's interesting because the only time really reporters get to talk to Robert Kraft uh, each year is at this owner's meeting mm-hmm. press conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just, you kind of see the evolution of his comments over the last three years or so uh, from two years ago, it was, all right, well, we clearly haven't drafted well enough. We need that to change. Last year it was, you know, I was really bothered that we didn't make the playoffs or we didn't win a playoff game this year. And now it was pretty much seems like a mandate that if the Patriots aren't at least back in the playoffs this year, then things are, are going to change perhaps significantly, uh, which was a probably the clearest sign yet that I've heard that Bill Belichick could have his job be in jeopardy if the Patriots not necessarily are back to Super Bowl contention, but aren't at least back in that playoff mix this season. There's clearly got to be a step taken forward. To me, that was the starter's pistol right there. Bang. Okay, we're yep. off and running right now, and we need to be focused on one thing and one thing only. And, and, and I'm glad that it was said. You know, from a fan's perspective, we should all be glad for that to happen. But I've said a couple of times already, Zach, I almost feel like, you know, uh, it's heresy for me to say Bill Belichick should be removed from his position because I don't think that right now. I'm still hopeful that Bill, you know, like we said, he's forgotten more football than you and I combined will ever know. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's why he is who he is. That's why he's still going to go down as perhaps, you know, the greatest to have ever coached this game. Is he hanging on too long? As the game passed him by, has his philosophy of building a dynastic franchise, is it no longer applicable to 2023 football? Uh, well, I think this year is, is really going to, to tell us that. Uh, I think this is a massively important year uh, for the Patriots uh, as a team, obviously, but, but also for Bill Belichick and, uh, and his, I don't, I don't want to say legacy, because his legacy is already obviously cemented, mm-hmm. but uh, as, as you mentioned, they have not been able to build a successful kind of championship caliber team and roster without Tom Brady. Everything that they have done since then just has not worked, even though there have been some uh, some positive draft picks, some positive signings, uh, some positive additions. Uh, but uh, I think if you see progress this season, 
then you can say, all right, well, they're kind of back on the right track. It was a weird couple of years, but maybe they're building something here. Uh, if they continue to kind of stagnate and they go eight and nine, nine and eight again this season, then it, it, it does seem like Robert Kraft is getting close to the point where he's saying, all right, like this just isn't working. We're going to need uh, to do something else, which obviously would be a major franchise-shaking decision, uh, and I don't think they're at that point right now. But right. this is going to be a very important season for that entire discussion. I think Mr. Kraft wants to win again. I think Bill wants to win again. So that's why I've just I've, I've actually been mildly surprised at what I perceive to be this fissure between the two, this, this, this disconnect as we've talked about already. Because I would think, of anything, these two guys would want to be on the same page because they both have a like goal in mind. They want to, you know, win another one before, you know, sailing off into the sunset. And 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 I, you know, I I, I can't believe that they wouldn't be in agreement on how to get there. And and, and I'm just I'm I, I'm scratching my head on this one. You know, I, I guess, and and maybe I'm still jaded somewhat by what transpired last year with the whole, you know, uh, Patricia Judge experiment and Mac Jones regression and and, and just the, the miserable feeling that last year kind of gave so many people around the organization. And, yeah, I think they're taking the right moves so far. I like the couple of free agent moves that they, they've made thus far. I'd really like to pick up some both Smith-Schuster and Gesicki because those are two guys that I think the Patriots have had troubles with in their own right defending when they've had to defend them. So, hey, I, I'm, I'm very much in the camp of you can't beat them, join them, or have them join you. I, I like that thought. And, and I think they're doing that. But is it enough? Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. Uh, I think if you look at them on the whole from, from a roster perspective and a coaching staff perspective, it's there's really no denying that they're in a better shape now than they were this past season. Uh, and I think there is reason for legitimate optimism about this team this year. I mean, even if they had just brought back the exact same roster and switched out Patricia and Judge for mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien, mm-hmm. I think that team could have easily won 10 games, if not 11 games, 12 games last year. I think the dysfunction on offense really just destroyed anything that they were trying to do mm-hmm. uh, as an overall team last year. So I think having somebody who does have that experience, who, again, just simply put, knows what he's doing in that role, is going to improve this team maybe more than some fans are, are expecting right now. Uh, and I'm in agreement with you. I, I like the the Gasicki signing. I like the Smith-Schuster signing. Uh, I didn't love it at first. I didn't love getting rid of Jacoby Myers and bringing in Smith-Schuster, but just when you dig into the numbers a little bit, as long as he can stay on the field and he can kind of gel with, with Mac Jones relatively quickly, the upside there is just so much higher than yeah. it was yeah. with what we've seen from Jacoby Myers. So I, I agree. think that was a smart move. Yeah. And I there are still holes that, that need to be filled. I, I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do through the draft because they still need a cornerback. They can really use some both depth and kind of future considerations at tackle because they don't really have much of either of those nope, right now. They don't. We don't know who's going to be replacing Devin McCourty. So uh, there are certainly questions that are still to be answered. And looking at them right now, I don't think this, this is a team you say, oh, wow, Patriots are going to contend for the AFC title or anything like that. But I do think they are in better shape than they were last year. Uh, I don't think this is a team that, as currently constituted, sucks 
like a lot of people uh, kind of think right now. I agree with that. I don't think they suck, no. But the problem here is is that you you might have not one, not two, but all three of your brethren in the AFC East who have passed you by. If the Jets actually do complete the trade to bring Aaron Rodgers to New York, holy moly. I, you know, now, now you're talking, all right, now it's serious. Now it's you, you, you'd best come up with some kind of a game plan to beat these guys because there's no way that you can go to the postseason, no matter how much you've improved, no matter how much you think you've gotten better personnel-wise, but you aren't getting to the postseason unless you split with the Dolphins and the Jets minimum and probably with the Bills too. You're going to have to figure out a way to go 3-3 three and three against that lineup, and I'm telling you, that ain't going to be easy. It may be damn near impossible. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting just how every how drastically everything has flipped. I mean, we can remember even a couple of years ago it was the Patriots, and then everybody else was down at and, the bottom. Yeah, and the now and the dreck of the NFL. You've got, yeah, yeah. Now you've got three pretty. I mean, I mean, if the Jets do end up getting Aaron Rodgers, which all signs are pointing to now, you've got three teams that'll be expected to make the playoffs, and then you have the Patriots at the bottom there. Right. Uh, I, I think yeah. there is. Potential for for chaos and dysfunction with Rodgers in New York. Uh, I'm not sold on them kind of instantly becoming a Super Bowl-type team this year, but they should, at the very least, be significantly better than they were this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's a team that only finished, I believe, two games out of a playoff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's a tough run. This is the the days of kind of the AFC East cupcake schedule are very long gone. Uh, And and I agree with you. The Patriots are going to have to at least – Split, at least be very competitive in those AFC East games uh, to be in that playoff mix. And, right. yeah, it's, it's just a different landscape than it was even a couple of years ago. The two free agent names, Zach, uh, before uh, we let you go, the two free agent names that have certainly come up over the last week or two, you know, obviously Lamar Jackson and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, I know that there are several reports out there that say that, you know, Jackson's not going to happen, the Patriots aren't interested. Okay, fine. But if you're not sold on – Mac Jones, and you do what you did to him a year ago, why aren't you in on a guy like Lamar? And DeAndre Hopkins, should you be in on a guy like that, even though he's got some injury issues and probably has lost by half a step over what he had just a couple of years ago? And is it really that important to get him, or can you find somebody who can separate in the draft? Yeah, I'll start with Hopkins because I've been saying for months that they should get DeAndre Hopkins, and that was – back when his price tag might have been, I don't know, a a second-round pick and a player. Now, at this point in free agency, with him still kind of lingering out there, it sounds like he's going to be significantly cheaper than that to acquire. Uh, Maybe not quite as cheap uh, as someone like Brandon Cooks was uh, to Dallas in that recent trade, but doesn't sound like it's going to take a ton from a compensation standpoint. He's older. He's banged up. uh, I still think he's a guy that can provide something that the Patriots just haven't had in the receiving core in in years now, just someone that going into every game opponents are going to have to say, okay, where is Hopkins going to be on every snap? I think even at age 31, he's still someone uh, proved this year that he's still someone who can kind of threaten defenses in a way that the Patriots just haven't been able to do. Uh, So I'd still be on board with bringing in DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, As for Lamar, Obviously, he would help the Patriots. Uh, obviously, he, he at his peak, is miles better than Mac Jones. I think miles better than even Mac Jones' ceiling. But just from a, a price standpoint, just with 
having to give up most likely two first round draft picks, yeah. having to pay him whatever it is that he's going to end up being paid forty five, fifty million dollars a year, all the guaranteed money for a guy that has those injury concerns hasn't played. I think he's missed 11 games over the last two years. Um, you, you, running quarterbacks like that, you never know how your body is going to, to hold up long term. Uh, all things being equal, yes, of course, I think they should have Lamar Jackson over Mac Jones if they had that choice. But at that price, uh, I can see why they wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, I certainly can understand that, too. You know, Zach, the funny thing about it is whenever we bring you on the show, I think we agree too much. <laughs> but but <laughs> I, I think that's why. controversy next time. Well, no, no, it's not necessary. But I'm just saying I think that's part of the reason why I, you know, uh, I, I tell Maureen, I said, hey, see if Zach Cox is available. Because I like the way you think. We think alike. What can I tell you? You know? I don't think hey, we... great minds. Great yeah, minds. that's. That. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, not me, because then I would be, you know. <laughs> Right. Thank you, Zach, for the time. I really always appreciate your uh, coming on and, and sharing your thoughts and opinions with us. And uh, hopefully we get a chance to do it again soon. Absolutely, John. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Zach Cox. At Zach Cox Nesson, where you can find him on Twitter. 855-PATS-500. Patty and Aguam has been hanging on forever. Hey, Patty. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Hey, no problem, John. What's going on? How are you? I am... Generally, I'm doing pretty good, but today it's been a little bit of a rough, rough patch at work for me. But hey, I'm I'm talking Patriots now. So Sorry, I'm yeah, doing good. No, hey, I get it, I get it. We all go through spells like that. I totally understand that. Yeah, so I wanted to give you um, what I would do, what cousin Patty please. would do if he was in charge. Please, cousin Patty, please, please preach. So the more I think about it, the more I think it is imperative. To get a playmaking receiver, whether that's trading the number 14 pick for Jerry Judy or staying put at 14 and taking a guy like the guy that my draft crush this year is, is a flowers. Mm. And I know he's not, he doesn't have the ideal size. He mm. doesn't have the size of a Quentin Johnson, but he's a guy that much like Julian Edelman um, and to maybe a little bit lesser extent, Kendrick Bourne, mm-hmm. that you can move all over the formation. He's not just a, what you would call just a, a typical like slot receiver. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, he's a guy that can separate too. I mean that to me that's the biggest thing. What Evan was saying about DeAndre Hopkins, I'm I'm totally on board with his opinion, which is yeah, you might be a little bit better in the receiver department, but you're still very slow, and we need guys that yeah. are that are fast that yeah, can we, separate, yeah, that yeah, can we, get open quick. We need quicks. Yeah. Yeah. We need speed. We need quicks. I I agree with that. That's why, you know, I mean, look, if you're telling me that, okay, Max, our guy at quarterback, then I'm I'm fine with that. And, you know, thanks, Lamar. Appreciate your interest, but we're going another direction. Plus, I also think that running quarterbacks are injury prone, and I think he's starting to show that. As far as the receiver thing is concerned, look, uh, DeAndre was great in his prime, but he is a half a step ahead of that. And I don't think that's what New England as a franchise or as a team that's trying to remain relevant in its own division needs right now. They need more. So I don't think either guy is the way to go. Right. And you, I mean, you heard, you heard coach Saban, Belichick's best friend said a few years ago that at a certain point we're, you know, we just have to, we're going to need to score points. The game has changed. And I don't think Belichick should change just for change sake, you know, like, Anybody. That, mm-hmm. that goes for anybody in, on this world. Mm-hmm. 
But when things start to evolve, you have to be cognizant of it, and you have to you you have to be malleable. You have to adapt. You have to evolve and say, well, you know what? If everybody in our division, forget about the conference. The conference is friggin' loaded too. But if everyone in our division has guys that are fast that can that are going to put up points, you know, that have these quarterbacks, these good quarterbacks, or these unbelievable skill players like Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Garrett Wilson, we're severely lacking in that department, John. Mm-hmm. And I know, you, I hey, listen, I know you've been covering the team long enough, and you're smart enough to know that you see it too. Well, yeah, we can see a lot of things around here. Doesn't mean it's going to get done that way. But right. but I, I just hope it does. Well, I know. I mean, I have I have eternal hope, like every other fan that listens. I do. I you know you can't work for a team and organization for you know now going into a fourth decade like I have without being a fan. You just can't. I mean, and it's sometimes it's very difficult to separate the two hats that you know that you have to wear. And so yeah, I, why wouldn't I root for them? It's always better when you win than when you lose. But when you see effort. It can be appreciated, but when you see effort that's misconstrued, that's misdirected, that's like it doesn't have to be this way, that's when I start to kind of get that that pit in the bottom of my stomach. I'm like, going, what, what are we doing here? And I said that throughout all of last season. You know, we're putting up the good face, and you know, we're you know we're making good, and we're talking football and having fun here during the course of the week, and you know, talking pregame stuff and all the matchups and everything. And I knew good and damn well. This just wasn't going to turn out the way that anybody wanted it to, and and I can admit that now. It's easy to admit now. You know, it's not it's not so easy to admit during the middle of the, of the year because you always have hope, and everybody has hope. But when you see the way things are constructed, and you see the way things, you know, and you've been around the game as you suggested, Patty, long enough to where you're like, okay, I don't know that I'm familiar with this thing yet, and I don't think we've seen success when somebody's done this previously. And, of course, when it turns out that way and you want to scream, I told you so, but you really can't because nobody's listening anyway, it's kind of like, well, okay, it happened. Now what do we do? What's the next step? You know, I, I right. uh, you know, it's, it's um, somebody was today earlier mentioned to me, uh, you know, about, you know, there's nothing that you can do about what happened. All right. It's like, what's next? So what happened is irrelevant. What's next is relevant. We don't want to make the same mistakes again. And that's my biggest fear. If there is such a thing as fear, my biggest fear is making similar mistakes over and over and over again, which is, of course, as you know, uh, that's that's certainly a, a sign of uh, of um, uh, Craziness, insanity. yeah, insanity, craziness, bonkers, whatever you want to call it, you know, funny farm. I, you know, it, it is. That's what it is. You keep doing the same thing over and over again. And look, I'm not talking about little inane habits. I'm talking about basic, sound fundamentals that cause people to act and react the way that they do. It's what you learn. It's what you've taught. It's what you teach. It's what you absorb. You know, it's 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 education. It's it's everything that goes into it. It's knowing that the game itself has changed over the last twenty years. That you've been a dynasty in the NFL. It's changed. It's not the same. It's not the same. Anybody who says no, it's, it's the same, anybody who says it's the same, not paying attention. Okay, they're just not. And that's my biggest fear. Where you know, Coach Belichick is concerned. You know, he's got enough people around him that are always saying, "Yes, Coach. Right, Coach. You got it, Coach. Whatever you need, Coach." He needs some people, and I think this is one of the reasons why Bill O'Brien is back here. He needs people to say to him, say, I, I, Bill, I don't know. Or, Bill, no, that's not the way I'd go, and here's why. 
That's what he needs more than anything else. That's why when sometimes we use the old, you know, adage of, uh, you know, the emperor's, you know, uh, not wearing any clothes, you know. Well, okay, that's that's what we mean by that. And so um, we need to get by that. I, I want the emperor to go down as the all-timer. And we want to feel good about that around here because it's something that will be unique to New England. And I think, you know, this franchise and what the Crafts have done in bringing this franchise here and what the fans have done to support this team and this organization and this franchise is remarkable. And the franchise deserves this. But the franchise also deserves a winner. And I hope that the coach and the franchise are all on the same page here. Yeah, me too. A couple things, and I'll let you go because sure. I know Russell's probably going to be calling in or waiting on waiting on me to shut up and get off the phone. You're good. Uh, what I would do with that second round pick too is I would I would um, maybe move up and get one of these younger right tackles like Dewan Jones or Darnell right out of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy that could sit down sit for maybe a few games while um, I can't think of it. Uh, Riley Reeves, man, man the position until one of those guys are ready. Yeah. You know, and if they're ready out of camp, then then help like let him start let Riley Reese back him up you know because you're going to need that you need to replenish the talent on this team I the whole offense I, really. I agree with that and and I, I've got a very unpopular take here I, I want to see him take a tackle at 14 I do I, I, and I wouldn't mind that John I, you I'm, know, as long as they're filling a big hole that 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 that's there you know I'm all right with it yeah and, and I've come to the realization we need it because we we saw what the swinging gate was like on both sides last year so I, I don't, you know, we need to give Mac the absolute attention to detail on this. You know, forget the targets, and I think they've improved the targets. Um, I, we, he just, he's, he's got to be confident. We don't need to see happy feet. I don't want to see him step up and flutter around in the pocket because he's afraid of what's coming in from behind. And, and we had that some last year. So I, oh, yeah. I, we, we, we need him to be confident more than anything else. You need to protect and value your assets as you have them before they become devalued. And I think this is the way to do it, and I'd be all set with somebody like that at 14. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. But uh, And the last, thing I'll, I'll, the last thing I'll end with is I said this last year, too, and it came down to the final week of the season. Three and three in the division isn't going to get it done. Nope. It's not going to get you a playoff first. It's not. They have to find ways to they have to steal a game against Buffalo this year. Yes, they do. Even if Rodgers goes to the Jets, you have to find a way to beat those guys at least twice. Yeah, and yeah. Miami's been their white whale forever, you know. So they, I mean, they have to find a way to try and beat that team and beat Tua because Tua, you're everyone knows is undefeated against Belichick. Right. You do that, you might actually make the playoffs. You're year. right. And once you're in, it's anyone's game. That's you right. That. It's a zero-zero game. That's right. Thanks, Uncle Patty, Cousin Patty. You got it. Auntie Patty, whatever we call you. All right. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Trey in Memphis. Trey, thanks for hanging in, brother. How are you today? Hey, John. How's it going? It's going. It's going. How are you doing? Um, Man, I'm doing well. You know, we we had a lot of bad weather um, in the area. um, Yes, sir. On this past weekend. So, I mean, I mean, but, you know, and, you know, despite all that, you know, I'm still here. Are you okay? Your family okay? Well, I had um, I had a cousin, uh, his wife and his son. Um, uh, they didn't. They were killed in the tornado on oh, Friday night. I mean, but good you know, they, Lord, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's it awesome. comes with it, man. 
Oh, that's terrible. Oh, Trey, I'm so yeah. I'm so sorry, <laughs> brother. Oh man, it's okay. You know, it's okay to just come with it. It's part of life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It makes you appreciate yeah. what you have a hell of a lot more, doesn't it? Sure does. It sure does. Man. But yeah, um, you know, I've been no listening in on uh, to the callers and uh you know, I can understand uh, the frustration that everybody have. I mean, looking around the league and you know, see all the big moves everybody's making and and et cetera. I mean, but you know, I'm just you know, it's, it's still March, so um, you mm-hmm. know, we uh, the uh, training camp doesn't start until what the end of July. I mean, so we got a lot of time to improve. Um, True. You know, I, we don't I have to play a football good. game that means anything right. for several months. So that part, right. I, that part, I'm uh, it's it's <laughs> believe me, I'm glad yeah. for. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, you know, I want to. I disagree on uh, with a lot of the callers as far as saying, you know, the Patriots haven't done anything. The draft. I mean, um. You know, as far as the corner, you still got a young young guy that I think are just going to get better is Jack Jones. You know, he um made a few plays on last year. I mean, he's a rookie. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Tyquan or Thornton, I mean, you know, we still got to see. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we still got to see. Uh, you know, the upside is there with their kids. So, I mean, uh, you know, I'm not ready to close the door on them yet. And so, I mean, you know, listening to what you just said as far as the offensive line, I think, you know, they're bringing in a lot of veterans, you know, which is uh, pretty big. And so, um, I really don't want a tackle with the 14th pick. I mean, but if that's the route they go, you know, we just have to roll with it. I love to. You know, get one of those young safeties or something uh, that's coming out. Well, I was just going to ask you, what, 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 the, yeah, what would you like to see him do? Yep. I, I, I'd like to see him get a, one of those safeties or, you know, uh, get one of those tight ends. I mean, but, you know, I just don't know, you know, which route Bill Belichick would take. I mean, so, you know, he's very – he's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would have to agree, you know, they do uh, need – you know, Bill, do um, he needs to adapt, you know, to the new NFL. And, I mean, but, you know, um, a lot of people, they've been complaining over the years, you know, saying, you know, Bill has never been a good GM and never been a good never been a good coach. I mean, but, hell, I mean, with him being the GM and the head coach the past 20 years, man, uh, you've never seen a run like the Patriots. You know, uh, you've yeah. never – yeah. Probably would never see that that kind of run again. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, honestly, look, the whole Bill GM versus Bill coach, I mean, look. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell you, you have to say the track record is still pretty good. We can separate it because we live with it every day. But when you look at it from yeah. the outside, no one's going to agree with us in that regard. Okay? Now, mm-hmm. you can certainly nitpick the heck out of the draft picks and the trades and the free agents and all that stuff. And, and, and yes, you know, he does have, I think, the final say on all these moves. But, you know, part of it is is that, you know, I think he needs to listen a little bit more to the people that, that they've hired 
to man these positions. And I think that was a step in the right direction with Matt Groh a year ago, which is why right. you saw some of those names that popped into the draft. They're like going, what are they getting them for? They could have had him in the fourth round. Well, okay, maybe. Right. But when you identify a guy that you think that can adapt to who you are and what you do more easily than others, then that's why that guy moves <laughs> up in your standing. And, look, I don't think they made mistakes last year. I don't think you can judge a draft until you get two or three years beyond the draft. You can't do it. That's why. That's why when you know, you know, and I, and I love guys like Mel Kiper to death because they're they're friends of mine. But I, I, you know, when we talk about draft grades, well, look, we know we have to grade drafts because you know fans want immediacy. They want results. They want to know how you think they did. You can't truly grade a draft for at least two years, sometimes three. And I would ultimately grade a draft, uh, grade a draft, grade a draft. Did I say that? I did. Um, this there's water in this bottle, by the way, not vodka or anything like that. Okay, but Trey, I would I would grade a draft based on how many of your you know rookie draft picks sign second contracts. Right. Right. Because that means yeah. you you you've done well for yourself. You've done well for yourself. Yeah. We're so done. we're yeah. done. When you look at the past, I mean, even the early years with Brady, man, Brady did become. What he really was until what I uh, started with in 2007 season. But, but look at the players that the Patriots had. Yeah, they didn't have a bunch yeah. of household name in the early 2000s. Man, they had they had Troy Brown, um, David Pat, David Patton, Jermaine Wiggins. You know the weapons like that. Yeah, you know then the, they had you know the Dion branches. The Charles Johnson, the Bethel Johnson. I mean, so, you know, people are acting like the Patriots have always had, you know, all of these big-name guys. And when you look at the early Super Bowls, they had the best team, but they didn't have the best talent. Right. That's very true. They didn't have the best talent, especially on the offensive side of the football. Right. I mean, so the, so once they brought the, the 2017 came in, okay, the weapons were – Randy Moss, Javon Gaffney, Dante Stallworth. Uh, then, then you know, then oh, then oh, and behold. Well, you were subscribing. You were subscribing. Welker, Wes Welker, Welker gets rejuvenated. Yes. Okay, so you know he becomes somebody. I mean, so yeah. The only difference is offensively, Brady just happened to grow and mature. I mean, so those players wasn't – I mean, I said the Patriots didn't have – I mean, Randy Moss is the only one that's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hall of Fame, and we got him via trade. Right, right. So you think about it – just think about it, John. All those names I've called. I mean, man, the Patriots were winning Super Bowl not because of the best talent. They put together the best team. Right. But you still have to have front-line talent, front line talent to go with that team. You got to have. I mean, every every you know, you know, every organization's got you know uh, leaders and followers. Somebody's got to lead. Yeah. Somebody's got to follow. And every good team has has that on the team. And I think we've gotten yeah. away from leaders on this team and star players on this team, and we've gone with more you know underlings, if you will. And I think you got to right. go back to getting you know A, A types rather than B types. Well, the thing is, John, I mean, you know, the, the Patriots, this is just their season to be what they are. I mean, like I said, you know, and, and you can't 
you're going to go through some bumps and bruises. And I mean, so like now, it's just a Patriots time to just not be talked about yeah. at the moment. I mean, yeah. I think it's going to change. And so I've never been one of those guys. I mean, I don't care about all the off-season hype. Yeah. I, I really don't. I mean, because maybe not many, you know how many teams have had the off-season hype and they still haven't won a Super Bowl? Yeah. A lot of them. A lot of them. A lot of them, John. I mean, so do you know, you think the Jets, man, the Jets would have loved to go on this run that the Patriots have. Right. You know, that the Cleveland Browns would have loved it. Yes. They would have loved it. Yeah, and I don't true. care about the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers. I mean, hell, he's still that kid. He's old. <laughs> he's old. Yeah, he's old, John. I mean, so they can have him. He's old, and yeah, he may, man, he may retire. Yeah, he's old and he's season. he's old and he's cranky. Get off my lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. Trey, you're a good egg. I hope everything turns out well for you, my friend. All right, and uh, Godspeed to you and your family. Peace. Peace. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. Russell, thanks for hanging in there, my friend. How are you this fine day? I'm good. Uh, I'm fascinated to hear how you're going to trade a graph. <laughs> I know. You know what's the first thing I thought of when I heard that? <laughs> what? And you'll 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 know this. Trade a graft. Um, no, no. Obviously, Jackie Gleason and the Honeymooners were the classic. Yeah, right. Okay, and one of his, one of the best episodes I always thought was the sixty four thousand dollar answer. Um, when he went, Ralph went on the, the game show, and uh, I'll, I'll cut to the chase the whole thing later. But they asked him what he did for a living, and he said that he busted drive. Yeah, he busted drive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I'm scary yeah. part is is I'm old enough to remember that. <laughs> oh god! But that was that uh, was one of the best episodes. Remember uh, Ed Norton? Oh yeah. Kept on playing Swanee River every time he. <laughs> Win and and Ralph figured out every song. Mm-hmm. So the first question was, "Who wrote Swanee River?" <laughs> and they played it, and he said Ed Norton. <laughs> and he was out. Exactly, and he was gone. He was done. <laughs> he was out. Hey Russell, um, I, you know one of the things that we really haven't gotten to today that I was hoping I could kind of pick your your brain on because I don't think there are any huge moves here, but I just kind of want your your thoughts a little bit on the rule changes that were you know uh, voted on and, and enacted by the, uh, the the owners this week at, at the meetings. And again, I don't think there was anything. The the one <laughs> that actually stands out to me is the fact that the number zero is now eligible on the field, which is kind of strange, you know, in terms of you know NFL standards. But if you follow college football at all, you know that zero has been at least around for a little while. What did what did the NFL miss an opportunity on here to to bring into play that you feel like maybe they should have done?
got kind of a, a chuckle out of the double, uh, out of the zero thing, mm-hmm. um, uh, especially considering we have a, a man in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who wears double zero. Yeah, right, Jim Otto. Jim Otto, and yeah. we also had a very prolific wide receiver back in the day for the Houston Oilers named Kenny Burrow. Right, Kenny Burrow. I, I forgot that. Yeah. Funny, yeah. I remember the yeah, old the guy. Only I remember other the guy not... I can think of right off the top of my head who was involved in an NFL game, preseason game, and I think he wore zero. Was George Clinton? Did he wear zero in Paper Lion? I'm tr- I'm trying to think. I might be dead wrong. I no, I think wrong. you're right. No, no, no. Now that I think back on it, and I'm not I'm not in front of the Google machine or anything right now, but I, I got to tell you, I, I think you're right. I think he wore zero in the movie Paper Lion. Yes, right. he did. He Which did. was an act terrific movie because they got a lot of the Lions to play in it and yeah. so on. And yeah. they actually got Joe Schmidt, who was the head coach. By the way, Joe Schmidt, a, a guy who's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I don't think people will realize what a great middle linebacker he was for that team and so on. But, um, you know, I... I, I, I Again, I, I think it's kind of tough to figure out, you know, this was not a year. Let's put it this way. This was not a year where something happened during the year where everybody was kind of screaming and yelling. He did wear it. zero. He did wear zero. I just checked it. Right. There wasn't anything like, you know, like uh, the overtime with Buffalo and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was like a point of contention uh, the whole time. So there wasn't anything like this offseason or, or anything in the playoffs, unless I'm forgetting something, where uh, you know teams were hemming and holding about something, and, and somebody like threw it on the table. I know, you know, we, you know, there was controversy and talk about the Eagles and pushing the pile and you know pushing, you know, push, grabbing players and so on, and and I, I believe they kind of let that go and so on. So. You know, I think it's tough sometimes because the NFL, whether you like it or not, has a very, very successful product. And you try not to to, um, topple the apple cart. And uh, but again, the Buffalo, Kansas City one stood out so much for people because it was actually it it went back to Brett Favre in 2009. They tweaked that and now, you know, tweak, tweak, tweak. Uh, sometimes I think the NFL kind of caves in a little to the to like the bad attention and the bad publicity and so on. And I don't know about you, I, I was fine with sudden death overtime. Yeah, um, the way it was, the most, yeah. one of the most famous games in NFL history was made famous because of sudden death, and right. that was the 1958 uh, NFL title game between the Giants and the Colts. Colts, right? Yeah, absolutely. Also, although I, it's you know it's funny, John, it's trivial. When the NFL finally decided to go to regular season overtime, it was 1974. The first teams that had to play that game were the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Denver Broncos. Hmm. Ended in a tie anyway. Yeah. So they didn't solve anything. Right. That's right. By the way, yeah. Now now we see overtime more. You know, the two-point conversion is added to that. um, You know. Right. We have a ten-minute overtime instead of a fifteen-minute overtime. So they, you know they tweaked along the way and so on. But um, you know it's it's. I I, I think playing wise, you know, the, here's I'll just throw this out. Okay. The biggest problem, as you know, 
with the league, and many people will say this, has nothing to do with the rules and more about the guys who are supposed to be in charge of the rules. Mm-hmm. In other words, the officiating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. We, 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 leave, we leave the vagaries of the game too vague, you know, and, and there needs to be more specificity. I think I said that right uh, in, in some of these, you know, things that are out there. And I think that's where – and I'll give you a good example. Here's a good example. One rule that didn't get passed this week, but I guess it could be under review based on everything that I've read this week. Is the the rugby scrum where guys push a ball carrier yes. over across the line of scrimmage or whatever, and there's no rule against that, but apparently that could be reevaluated because yeah, yeah. and so you know I, I think common sense says that look, uh, it's probably not the safest thing to do, and if you're going to be really trying to emphasize the safety of the game, the rugby scrum probably needs to go. And this is where common sense should come into play, and yet sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I, I, I think I probably said that wrong when I was talking about it early and so on. But, you know, you, you literally see instances where players, you know, literally pick up their teammates. Yeah, and push them. Yeah, just carry them across the line. Hell, you can't do it. I'll do it for you. And and just you know, look, I understand that. And and I, and I'm not talking about quarterback sneaks or anything else like that. I'm you know because we saw how effective Jalen Hurts you know was at that. Yeah. I think throughout the course of the year last year, you know, yeah, you got to line up on the line. You got to stop the son of a gun. And I think that's the biggest thing. But when you get from behind and you push him forward, it's almost unstoppable. And I think that's part of the reason why this rule will probably still come up for review, if not yeah. changed outright, because yeah. Now there's a safety factor, but number two, um, you're creating an unfair advantage, and for a league that absolutely is lock, stock, and barrel in on parity, this flies in the face of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it, it, you're, you're really kind of changing the game in enabling someone to do that. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. Mean, I, yeah. I, I think I, I think the re, uh, the first time I remember it happening. Um, was not an NFL game. I believe it was USC um, playing a game. Mm-hmm. And I think, I want to say Reggie Bush was involved. Um, and I, I'm trying to think it was the year, the year they won the title or the year they lost the Texas in the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. one of those seasons. But that's the first time I was like, whoa, you know, can you really do that? Mm-hmm. And you've seen it more and more common now in, in the NFL. True. So. You know, if it if listen, if you pick up your teammate and carry him across the line, isn't that holding? <laughs> yeah, kinda. Yeah, you just hold it a different person, but he's still holding. Yeah, you're, just, yeah, you're holding your teammate. Yeah, so. right. Well, uh, the other one that I, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on is the fact now that teams can play more than once on Thursday night football. I, I don't really see how that's good for anybody. Other than the league making money, which I know is what it, what this is all about, but again, if we're talking about player safety and all that kind of stuff, is, is that really a, a, the way we should be going? Well, I think it, I think it's an attempt um, to bolster uh, Thursday night football, which of course last year was on Amazon Prime uh, for the first time, and even though. It's seemingly representatives from every football network, ESPN, NFL Network, Fox, NBC, were all doing the games and so on. So it kind of had a, a primetime feel to it uh, that we're accustomed to, at least. 
schedule didn't exactly knock you on your socks. And, you know, that's why there's, there was the early discussion about flexing Thursday night games, which I think is a horrific idea for people who can't wait to get the NFL schedule and book their flight mm-hmm. three and four months in advance and then go see your, their favorite team. I hope we never get to that point where you actually start changing the, the day of the game because that, I think that's very, very unfair sure. uh, to the fans. Yeah, but, it, it, that, that's my biggest just, issue. My big, yeah. I mean, I realize they're going to give 15 days notice or whatever, and I think that's fine. But still, the people that can only buy, fans that can only buy one or two tickets, if that, you know, for a year, and they buy it for a Sunday, and then the thing gets moved to a Thursday. And I keep thinking of how many people probably get knocked out of the box because they got work oh. or they got work the next day or whatever it may be. And that's, right. just, that's just not fair to the rank and file. It's just not. Well, and, and here's, the other, here's the other thing, John, as you well know. Um, I think it's less significant now to have to flex games. Um, one of the reasons, uh, you know, back in the day in the you know, 70s and 80s, and you know this from Monday Night Football when Howard Costello used to do that, the halftime highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, he did those halftime highlights because people did not have access to their favorite teams like they do now. True. Okay? True. You can watch a game on their computer. You can watch a game on the phone. Mm-hmm. You can go to sports store and watch every game at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was not the case, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 30, maybe even 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it's, you know, unless you have, you know, a, a real, you know, big thing about who's announcing your game and it has to be in prime time, I don't understand why. I mean, I get you wanted to think about this for a second. Let's just throw out the, the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys, and I think you know why I'm going to do this. Okay. Okay. What if you decide that they have to? They'll each play two Thursday games. Okay. Well, actually, it's three Thursday games for them because they both play on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, are you going to tell me that one fifth of their schedule is going to be on Thursday? Thursday, I mean, and that's like wow, that's that's like a crime against humanity. Well, I mean, I mean, th- think about that. I mean, we're already to the point where we have stretched out the playoffs. We've added two playoff teams. We're not playing a, a playoff game on a Monday, okay? Which means the teams that play on Monday are going to be shortchanged, no matter when they play their next game. No. If they play, and it's usually Sunday, but it's still a shorter week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, we're already stretching the product out that way. Again, if you're talking about safety and you're having less recovery time, and that's that's the most important thing. These guys are recovering from a three-hour car collision, for the last of it, as, as some players have described it. Right. Right. What are we doing? <laughs> what are Listen, we, I, what, I what, what are we doing? I, nobody loves football more than I do. I understand wanting to see games every day, and so on. But you know that get it. You, that's why you have a DVR. Okay? Well, yeah, and part of the part of the part of the fun of football is the anticipation yes. of the battle on the on the gridiron. You know, I mean that's part of it. And and if you've got it every day, that anticipation is gone. Now, I believe me, I love me some football. I, 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 I will watch it anytime I can. Ask Miss Robin. She knows that all too well. But I, I got to tell you, part of the allure of the sport is the fact that you gear up for this one game a week. 
and there is it's a sense of anticipation that builds, and and then you put it all out on the line as a fan, as a player, as a coach, as an administrator, as a broadcaster, whatever it may be, and then the game is over, and then you do it all over again the next week. Yep. And that's part of the fun of the game is the anticipatory nature of it. But when you're doing it every night, and now you got a long work week, or now you got a short work week, or now you, you, you've got 17 weeks, and now you're injured more often because you got more games you got to play, that sucks the fun right out of it. It just does. And now you're making it more difficult for your hardcore rank-and-file fans who don't have season tickets, who really can't afford them. You're making it more difficult conceivably for them to get to the games that they love to get to. I, I just – I, I, I just – we're getting too greedy. Right. Yep. And, and, and I understand it because the – the appetite for the NFL in this country is, and even worldwide, it's insatiable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you, can't, you know, it, 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 you know, we are now free agency is now in its fourth decade. Yeah, right. You know, since 1993 and so on. And before that, when I first started writing professionally and so on, I wrote college football in the off season. Now you write football every day yeah. if you're a writer. You can. You absolutely you know? can. And yep. it's it's much different. <clears throat> Yep. I, I'll I'll just throw this out. I've been one of those people who have talked about for a number of years an 18 game schedule, and I would like to see that. And I think we will see it because you know the, the NFL is kind of set up in a 20 game window. Mm-hmm. It was 14 regular season and yep. six and six preseason, then mm-hmm. 16 and four. Mm-hmm. Right now it's 17 and three. I would like to see it 18 and two. Just to balance it so out. You are right. going to go eight. If you are going to go 18 games, John, then I think you might want to consider eliminating Thursday night football. Yes. If you tell me, I mean, 18 games sounds like a lot, but it's really not. You're already playing, as you said, it's a 20-week schedule. But, yeah, Thursday night should, should you know, we got to figure out a way to do something about that. Right. And, and I just, you know, and no, I don't mean go to Friday because Friday should belong to high schools. They just should. That's why, oh, I, you know, yeah. I almost refuse to watch college football on Friday nights because I'm like, that's high school football night. Yeah, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to see the preps get destroyed by you know money making entities on the television. I can appreciate why if a league you know gets a chance to be on television on a Friday night, why they do it because someone's going to pay them to do it because they have product that they need to sell and they have inventory they got to fill. But high school football is Friday night football. It always has been. It always will be. And and there are just some things that should be you know sacrosanct in that way. In that way, and we shouldn't be playing pro football on Thursday nights. I'm good with Monday. Monday's fine. We established that back in 1969, did we not? 1970 was the first. 1970, okay. Thought about in 69 and and put into play in 70. Absolutely. Okay. I'm okay with that because it's been ingrained and it was something that we looked forward to for years. And I actually thought Monday Night Football got a little bit of a boost this year because of the announced team that they moved in, you know, when they they, they hired, you know, the, the former Fox guys. So I'm okay with that. And I think we can continue to build that back up. Thursday night football's just got to go. That's a money grab, and it's it's just I find it somewhat distasteful. So, but we 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 can opine about that another day when the opportunity comes out. Russell, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to check in with you from time to time during the off season, my friend. Uh, read you all the time that I see your stuff come out. So, uh, anything you're working on that you want to plug before the draft? Well, I've been doing doing some basic stuff for fan sided. Um, you know, number of draft picks, draft needs that I get, you know, be a pro football focus yep. and so on. It's just kind of, you know, it's more factual information, less opinionated information. But, you know, you never know what I'm going to throw out. I'm currently working on a piece on the Texans. 
um, who have had an amazing offseason in terms of what D'Amico Ryans and that team and the kind of players they've been able to attract. And, you know, what? it's not like a couple of years ago when they were just signing everybody. You and I were signed <laughs> by the Houston Texans a couple of years ago. We didn't make the cut. No. should tell you something. <laughs> but just some of the quality guys that they've been able to bring, bring in, and they have quite a few draft picks to use yeah. as well. We, I'll leave you with this. We saw four teams that finished last in 2021 make the playoffs in 2022. That's half of the last place team. The year before it was three. This year, this past year, it was four. It well, doesn't take long to flip the switch. Well, let's hope that that, that flip, uh, that switch gets flipped or that flipped gets switched, uh, whichever way you want to put it for the Patriots or this year. Or brought the drive or drive abroad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Russell, thank you, my friend. We will talk soon. You got it. You got it. The one and only pro football guru, Russell Baxter, at Bax Football Guru on Twitter. I want to end the program today with a couple of emails that I received that I think are all worth mentioning here based on what we've been talking about today. Our friend Howard uh, writes in from Connecticut. He's been in here in studio on the show. Um, he says, truly miss the playbook when it's not on. I appreciate you, Howard. Thank you. I don't think there's any, I don't think there is the disconnect that everyone sees between BK and BB, Robert Kraft, Bill Belichick. I do think Mr. Kraft, as any good CEO does, sets goals for the season and let it be known that there are consequences for not achieving them. The difference is from what the talking heads in the press are alluding to BK uh, is, uh, is that he will not micromanage BB and how he achieves those goals. As for BB having the game pass him by, then it has passed his entire staff by. BB does not operate in a vacuum. He has staff that gather information, perform analysis, and provide him the best options on which he makes the final decisions. That is the way good organizations operate, and the Kraft organization is a well-run organization on both the football and the non-football sides of the house. You know, I, I think that is well stated, Howard. Um, you're right. It's quite possible that the people he works with are giving him bad advice. What I mentioned earlier in the program, however, is, is that I think what Bill has had, unfortunately, is too many people saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'll do that, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir. And you need more people to say no. I think this is the better route, and let me explain to you why it's the better route. And ultimately, Bill's got to make the choice. And if he says no, that we're going to do it my way, okay, then he's got to own up to that. And I don't think we've seen that really either. But you're right about Mr. Kraft. He does allow the people largely to do their jobs. There has to be, however, some sort of consequence when it doesn't turn out the way that you hope. Uh, Linda from Boston. During his tenure at the New Orleans Saints, Sean Payton had a number of losing seasons, including three seven and nine seasons in a row from 2014 to 2016. He was not fired. Count me among the tiny minority of your listeners who believe that Bill Belichick should not be fired even if the Patriots have another losing season. If Sean Payton could have five, seven, and nine seasons and a single Super Bowl ring with the Saints and still be considered an excellent head coach, then surely the Patriots should give the man with six Super Bowl rings a chance to surpass Don Shula's record. He's the best there has ever been. Thank you, Linda. And I think you make some very good points there. Christian, first-time listener. Thank you, Christian, for taking the time. Not sure if you read emails. I'm going to read yours. 
they need to get rid of Bill because his GM work is disgraceful. <laughs> God forbid if somebody finally calls him on his BS, they get killed by the fan base. We all need to wake up and realize Bill as a GM is awful. You cannot run this organization with mid-level talent without TB12. Do what the rest of the league is doing. Get some stars. Pay them. Kraft needs to step up and make the move. If we're not, or if not, we're going to be the bottom of the league for as long as he's the coach. He says, I see us last place in our division, six wins at most as this roster stands. Well, the beauty of this is that the roster isn't going to stand this way for too much longer. You're going to have rookies. You're going to have a few other free agent moves that are certainly going to trickle in and be made. You know, as we've talked about the course of the program, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins could still happen. Jerry Judy could still happen. Whether it's likely or not, that's up to debate, I suppose. But I think the team recognizes that moves need to be made because the other teams within your division are making them, have made them, and they're not stepping back. It's up to the Patriots to step forward. And that's where we go from here. Thanks to our good friend Russell Baxter, Zach Cox from Nesson, Evan Lazar for joining us in the program today. Marine Matt, thank you for tolerating me for another month. And we'll come back and do it same patch time, same patch channel next month. It'll be Wednesday, April 26th. That's the day before the first night of the NFL draft. And, yeah, we're going to do a pre-draft show, and we're going to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, stay tuned for details. Back at the normal time period. But we will be back normal time, right? So we'll go noon to 2. All right, noon to 2 on Wednesday, April the 26th for the next edition of Patriots Playbook. See you then. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.